This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight we go back to 1939 for a show that the young crowd really got into, The Green Hornet. When the series began in 1936, the opening narration originally began with the announcer proclaiming that the Green Hornet hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies that even the G-men cannot reach, referring to FBI agents. Well, Bureau Chief J. Edgar Hoover objected to the line's implication that some crime fighting was beyond the abilities of the FBI, so that line was changed to public enemies who try to destroy our America. During World War II, the opening narration was changed as well to matching wits with racketeers and saboteurs, risking his life so that criminals and enemy spies will feel the weight of the law by the sting of the Green Hornet. The radio show used Nikolai Remsky-Korsakov's Flight of the Bumblebee as its theme music, blended with a hornet buzz created on a theremin. Stepping through a secret panel in the rear of the closet of his bedroom, Britt Reed and his assistant Cato went along a narrow passageway built within the walls of the apartment itself. This passage led to an adjoining building which fronted on a dark side street, and although supposedly abandoned, this building served as the hiding place for the sleek, super-powered, black beauty streamlined car of the Green Hornet. The great car roared into life with the sound of an engine revving, and then a section of the wall in front raised automatically and closed as the gleaming black beauty spread and sped that hiss into darkness. Tonight, the Green Hornet and Cato get involved with a ghost that talks too much. The Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies that even the G-men cannot reach. The Green Hornet. Thank you. 
adventure of the ghost who talked too much. The events and characters depicted in this drama are fictitious. Any similarity to actual persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. My name in life was Homer Burley. I have a message for my wife. Is she within the hearing of my voice? Homer, my, my dear husband. Have you anything to ask your husband? Homer, dear, are you happy? I would be happier, Myra, if it were not that I'm worried about you. I don't want you to go hungry, to know poverty. But you left me that insurance. It needs wise counsel. Myra, I want you to see his name, Abbott, Abbott, then I will not worry. Homer, Homer, are you still there? I, I am afraid I have lost contact with him, Mrs. Burley. Oh, there's so much I still wanted to say to him. Call him back, call him back, Roger. Tonight I am exhausted. Perhaps another time. He gave you one message, though. Abbott, Abbott. I'll see him. A man named Abbott. Mr. Abbott's office. An appointment? Have you met him before? Very well. Please come at three tomorrow. Yes, I'll put your name down. Thank you. Goodbye. Is Abbott in his office now, young lady? Oh, yes, sir. It is time for his daily reading. Of course, Roger. Please go right in. He's waiting for you. Well, Roger. The time has come, my friend, for a study of your day's horoscope. <laughs> my checkbook, you mean. <laughs> That's it, Abbott. How is business? Going good. Since you moved into that swank headquarters. I had a couple new ones in yesterday and called back their husbands. Women with cash? Of course. I made sure they had dough before I went after them. Good going. I'm branching out some more, Abbott. I'm putting a girl in to do nothing but check on the death notices and adding another woman to the sales force. Sales force? Of course. After I've learned considerable about a certain widow, she has to be sold on the idea of coming to me for an interview in the sitting, doesn't she? Well, I'll be... <laughs> Roger, you're all right. Furthermore, Abbott. We're not going to be quite so barefaced in taking their cash for wildcat stocks. What do you mean by that? Precisely what I said. We're going to run this office of yours more along the lines of a dignified brokerage house and actually make some legitimate investments for some of these people. We can run a lot less risk with the law and still make a big thing of the business. Now, look here, Raja. Suppose you run your crystal-gazing emporium and let me run this investment office. As long as you run it along the lines I consider intelligent, you may run it. Otherwise, I will interfere. But I'm all I right. don't propose to see both of us land in prison, you see. I've done all right so far. And I will see that you continue to do all right. Now, how much have you taken in since yesterday? Mrs. Wilder came in with uh, $5,000 to invest. What did you do with it? Sold us some Continental Merchant stock. That is utterly worthless. Sure. But she won't know that for a long time. The profit on that deal was two grand. Anything else? That's all. Abbott, you are a fool to try and double-cross me. What do you mean? Do you think I have so many facilities for gathering data without using them for the most important angle of my business? You seem to forget a matter of 500 you took from a woman named Joyce. 
Moreover, Mrs. Wilder left 10000 with you, on which my share amounts to 4000 Who told you I'll that... I'll take the money in cash, Abbott, and don't take such risks. I might decide to find another broker to work with me. You try that, and I'll land you in jail. You will land me in jail for what? You're in this racket as deep as I am. That's a matter of proof, my friend. <laughs> What's that clicker? Why, if this isn't a Lulu, get a load of this negative. I'll be careful, it's still wet from the rinsing bath. I shot a picture of this Roger at the Hotel Continental Affair this afternoon. Yeah? Well, what about it, clicker? Well, the doggone negatives are positive, see? That Palooka has such a dark complexion that he shows white on the negative. Now, ain't that something? Who is the bird, anyway, clicker? Oh, Roger something or other. I didn't cover the story, just took a couple of shots of him. He's the new rage of the society names. What's he do, look into a crystal or something? Oh, he does all the tricks. Crystal reading, spirit tapping, table tilting. I was talking to a couple of dames over at that meeting, and they claim he brought back the spirit of their dead husbands. Ridiculous. Well, I'm just telling you what they told me. Boy, would I like to try to get a photograph of one of those spirits. Good afternoon, Miss Case. Oh, hello, Miss Benny. Uh, hello, Mr. Reed. I didn't know whether you'd be in or not today, Mr. Reed. Well, I usually get in once during the day. I was just showing Miss Case this negative, Mr. Reed. It's that new sensation in the spiritualistic world. Who's that? The Roger. Oh, a couple of the girls were talking about him last evening. I tell you, that guy's a sensation. He's got everybody talking about him. He also has a good press agent. He's hammered at us from the time he first showed up in town. Sent enough stuff in the office here to fill half a dozen of Gunnigan's wastebaskets. No wonder I'd never seen any of it. Gunnigan is allergic to fakers, fakes, and uh, racketeers. And press agents. No wonder the stories on the Roger didn't get by him. He probably thought you might let one of them see print. You suppose this Roger really has something on the ball? He's got just enough on the ball to make himself a fortune. But you know, Mr. Reed, there are no ghosts. I'm surprised that the law doesn't step on a man like that. I don't know why the law should. Well, in the first place, he's obtaining money under false pretenses. Yes, but Mr. Reed, he really does give people some comfort. Don't you think so? Comfort? Maybe there's something to that, Mr. Reed. I haven't thought of that angle. If it gives a woman comfort to think she's hearing from her departed husband, well, it's surely worth whatever Roger charges. Unless he goes beyond that. What do you mean by that? I've heard of men like that that aren't satisfied with the fees they charge. They suggest investments for people and use that as a means of robbery. Hmm. However, we have a newspaper to run. Uh, look here, Mr. Reed. Yes? I'd give a week's pay for the chance to take some pictures at one of those seances. You'd give a week's pay? Boy, that would be something new. Why not let me sign up for one of his weekly meetings and take along a hidden camera and some flashbulbs? Maybe if the ghost appears, I can get a picture of him. Picture of a ghost? Wouldn't that be something? Miss Benny. Huh? The Daily Sentinel couldn't endorse such an unethical proceeding. Well, that's what I was afraid of. I'll be in my office, Miss Case, if anyone calls. Very well. And, uh, by the way, if someone should happen to already have a good picture of a ghost, uh, taken at a seance, uh, I'd be interested in seeing it. We, uh, we might use it for a Sunday magazine picture. <laughs> I get it. Look here, Casey. Don't you worry about someone just happening to have that sort of a picture. I'll be around with one inside the next couple of days. <laughs> Hey, clicker. Hey, click. How's the girl photographer these days? Hi, gang. Hi. Hey, Lowry. Huh? This way, fella. I want words with you. Oh, what's up? Come on over here where the super snoopers won't get in here full of my plans. I need cooperation, and you're the guy to give it to me. Right here will do. Sit down on the edge of the desk or someplace. i got to make a call. Uh, look through that drawer, will you? For what? See if you can find that small camera of mine, the Leica. Uh-oh. Candid camera shooting, huh? And how. Here's the number. Hey, does it ever occur to you that you could clean out this drawer sometimes and make things easier for yourself? Careful you don't break any of those filters. Hey, Scott, how do you know what's in here? Now, there's a like it down at the bottom. Uh, pull out that photo flash attachment, too. Where are you going? We're going to a spiritualistic seance, Lowry, and get a picture of a ghost. Now, hey, have you gone screwy? Maybe so. Uh, is this what you want? Uh, that's it. Close the drawer now. 
I'm going to try to horn in on one of the meetings this Roger has in that new swanky apartment of his. You go out of your way looking for trouble, don't you? Wherever there's trouble, there's a picture, Lowry. And I'd go a long way for a good picture. How much money you got? Money? What's that? No fooling. Borrow a couple of bucks, will you? I've got to get a couple of flash bulbs and... Say, Lowry, have you got a suit that's pressed? We have to dress up to go there? Well, you have to look civilized. Roger has quality folks at his meetings. Oh, here he is now. Is this the Roger studio? Well, I'd like to know if it's possible for me to attend one of his meetings. One of the seances, you know. Soft music came from an unseen source in the velvet drape room where Roger held his seance. In the incense-filled atmosphere amid luxurious furniture and silk tapestries, a well-dressed group of people awaited the appearance of the Roger himself. Slightly apart from the rest, sat Clicker Binney, trying to show the same wide-eyed expression of awe the other ladies showed. With her was Ed Lowry. Ooh, Clicker, this place smells bad. Shut up, Mug, that's incense. Yeah, well, I wish we were out of here. Scared? Oh, my eye. Now get things straight. You keep that reflector with the flash bulb under your coat till the lights are out. And get it set and ready. You've been over all that before. Well, don't muff it. Point the reflector at the ghost, and when I click the shutter, the bulb will go off. And we'll go out on our ears. That's okay by me, as long as we get the picture. Roger stepped from behind heavy drapery, with his head swathed in a turban of royal purple and a gown of similar color, came to within a few inches of the floor. His deep-set, heavy-lidded eyes surveyed the people in the room for a minute, and then he took his place at the head of a table and motioned wordlessly for the others to gather close to him. As they did so, the lights became dimmer, and then the room was dark. In an adjoining room, a man and woman stood with many yards of cheesecloth draped about them. To commune with the spirits that lie beyond the grave, I must ask that all of you remain absolutely silent and concentrate on the hope of seeing one who was dearly beloved by you in life. While you concentrate, I shall place myself in a state of mind that comes close to the borderline beyond which no person once crossing has ever returned in body. In a moment, if conditions and atmosphere are right, it may be possible that the voice of someone who means much to one of you will make itself heard. Then, if absolute silence prevails and nothing happens to disturb the spell, this spirit may come and let itself be seen. If it is recognized by any one of you, please speak softly and address it by name. Time to go out first tonight, James. I wonder if we're going to call you Danny this time, Grace. Not so loud. Where's the megaphone? I've got to get the old sepulchral spirit in my voice. Right here. Drape the stuff around me now. Get the megaphone up to the wall there and start talking. The Rogers pressed the signal button. Right. Someone is near the borderline. Calling to me. That sounds like John. I must caution you not to speak out until you see him and recognize him. Someone calls me. I hear a voice. I hear a voice. I feel a presence in this room. Someone from the hereafter is calling for attention. Come, give me your name. My name was John. John. John, will you let us see you? Someone is calling for me. I will let myself be seen. Come, John. A friend of yours is here. I would like to have a word with him. Ah! Someone took a picture. What in places? Who did that, John? John, where are you? This way. 
Turn on the lights. What is the meaning of this disturbance? This is profane. This is unheard of. This is the way out. We got it. We got it. <laughs> Curtain falls on the first act of our Green Hornet adventure. to continue our story. When Britt Reed heard through society friends that Roger, the spiritualist, was using his supposed occult powers to persuade widows to trust their money to his accomplice, he had Clicker Binney get a photograph of the specter at one of the seances. The next day, when Britt Reed came to his office, Ed Lowry was there before him. The girl got a beautiful shot, boss. It shows that fake up to her fairly well. Good enough, Lowry. We can use that photo in a Sunday supplement in a few weeks. I'm planning on a feature story dealing with these racketeers and ghosts. Well, I can contribute. How's that? Well, I can contribute. There have been a lot of cases where women have been told by the crook they thought to be the spirit of their dear departed to go and sink their cash into phony stocks and bonds. Where did you get that? Police headquarters. They've had complaints on Raja. They have? Yeah. Son. Huh, the other evening, a couple of women were telling me about him. They'd been sent to a man named Abbott. That's the guy. He sold them stocks that weren't worth a hoot. That's what the cops were told. But the law can't prove a thing. Hang on. Yeah, perhaps an expose in the Sentinel would do some good. That's what I had in mind, Laura. Roger will sue if you mention him. Let him sue. And it won't get anywhere, boss. That's the tough part of it. He'll fold up and move to another city if things get too tough here. There's no way to get the goods on him, and less chance of linking Abbott up with him. Yeah, it's a confounded shame that this sort of thing can go on unchecked. You're telling me? I say the way Roger and Abbott worked the racket, it's almost foolproof. Where's the picture Miss Vinnie took? Here. Here, take a look at it. Say, that is something. Isn't that a Lulu? It's a darn shame the cops can't take that as evidence. It wouldn't mean a thing. I know. Roger didn't charge anything for the seance, so the law can't touch him. Hang it all, it's the old story. The law can't touch him. The law couldn't get at Roger and his racket. But Britt had deeper plans when he arranged for the picture to be made. We find him in his apartment with Cato, his faithful servant and the only living man to know him as the Green Hornet. This picture, Cato, shows me how the ghost appears and where he comes from. Yes, Mr. Britt. In my careful study, I can get a fairly good idea of this man's face in spite of the gauze that's draped over his head. Yes, sir. And I think that with that, I can step out at the next seance. What are you going to do? Give the Roger the shock of his life. How? The Green Hornet's going to a seance. The next ghost that Roger summons from behind those drapes is going to have altogether too much to say. Now we've got to make some plans, some rather elaborate plans. Yes. And you'll be in on them. He uses a phonograph, Cato, that's probably played in the same back room that the ghosts wait their turn in. What about that? Now, let me see. Abbott, that's the name of the bird that handles the financial end. Yes, sir. I'm going to give him an invitation to the next seance. I wonder what he'll have to say. <laughs> he won't dare say much in front of the guests. Neither will the Roger. But after the guests have gone, I wonder. Several evenings later, an exceptionally fashionable group of people were in attendance at the seance. 
Before the Raja made his appearance, he met his accomplice, Abbott, in the side room. Have you seen all the new people that are here tonight? I wouldn't know the new from the old. We're getting to society trade now, Abbott. People with lots of money. Not so loud. They can't hear me in the next room. What are you going to do here anyway? Sit in. Sort of unusual, isn't it? Any objections? No. No objections, of course. Glad to have you here. I just thought I'd see if you weren't trying a little double cross on your own hook. Whatever gave you that idea, Abbott? You've been mighty quick to suspect me. I had sufficient reason to. Okay, Raja. Just don't try anything, that's all. You'd better go and sit down. I'm going to start in a couple of minutes. Right. <laughs> this should be worth watching. You fake. Greer. Ready for the music? Yes, you may start the recording now. Give them a good show tonight, Greer. Now, Jane. Yes? You're to be the daughter of James Stilwell. He is in the group. Drowned last summer, didn't I? That's right. I have the part memorized. Good. I'll go and start things. I'm going to ask that guy for a raise and pay one of these days. I'm worried about that picture someone took the other night. I haven't heard anything from it. What's there to worry about? I don't know, Greer, but just the same. Keep still. They can't hear us. Who? That mask. Go on. Your voice is down. You regret it. (laughs) What's the matter? Steady, you truck. You're going to take a little nap. Uh, you went out nicely, young lady. You... Yeah, that's it. Just lay right down here. All right, Cato. You can come in now. They made no noise. Yeah, that was the big gamble. Well, I guess they've grown so accustomed to keeping quiet back here that they did it subconsciously. How's that? Who won? Very well. Hurry and get it set on that machine. Yes, sir. Work it in. Let me see. Oh, there's a good place to hide. There is. Can I have the car ready right outside the window? Yes, sir. What time is it now? Ten o'clock. We've got to handle things just right. Stop the machine. If it is recognized by any one of you, please speak softly and address it by name. Concentrate, my friends. Concentrate. Now for it. We must all concentrate. There seems to be a disturbing influence among us. Is there someone called That's me. Concentrate, my dear. Concentrate. Do you speak from the hereafter? I speak to someone called Lucia. Vincent. Vincent, is that you? You wish to ask me something? Something is wrong. Yes. Yes, tell me, dear. Are you happy? Yes, Lucia. I am happy. Before you left, I never knew. Was there any pain? Did you suffer, dear? There was no pain. We miss you so much. Lucia. There is one thing you must do. Yes, yes, tell me. It concerns money. Yes, yes. You must invest your insurance. Take it from the bank and invest it. But I don't... Here, Lucia, a good investment house. The Gurney Sanders. What? Concentrate, please. Do not disturb the spell. I remember the name. Vincent, tell me. Tell me a little more. Vincent, I can't see you now. Tell me a little more. Vincent! Concentrate. Concentrate, my friends. Do not break this spell. Someone whose name is Elizabeth. That's my name. Elizabeth, your brother sends you word through me. Yes. Yes, my brother. Where is he? He couldn't come. He sends you word. Do not trust any but the firm of Gurney Sanders with your investment. Do you understand? Yes, I understand. My brother was always afraid I'd... I can do no more. I can do no more tonight. There is a disturbing influence here. The seance has ended. I am not well. Please, the lights. Another time. But please, now, go. I want to talk to Vincent again. Another time. Another time, please. My brother. Can I get more word from my brother? Another time, I tell you. Go, get out, leave me. I am not well. 
The Raja turned up the lights, and the amazed people were hurriedly sent from the luxurious room. All but Abbott, who remained behind until the others had gone. And then... You dirty, double-crossing crook! It's a good thing I came here tonight. Abbott, believe me, there was something wrong. I don't know what happened to Greer. I can tell you what happened to Greer. You decided to play along with that Gurney Sanders firm, huh? I got the tip-off on that riser. That's why I came here tonight. You're crazy, I tell you. Oh, no, I'm not. You're the one that's crazy to think you could put something like that over on me. Maybe you thought my office wasn't swank enough for the society swells you had here, huh? No, no. You had Greer all primed to give that stuff out. Then when you saw me, you didn't get a chance to change the instructions. It isn't true. Oh, yes, it is. I'm not a blind fool, you know, Roger. Well, don't get the idea you can double-cross me. All right, you blustering idiot. Just what do you propose to do? I'm going to smash you. Oh, no, you're not. Maybe you're the one that took that picture the other night. I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe you thought a photograph of one of the ghosts would smash me. Well, let me tell you this. I know the law, and I've stayed inside the law. And that's more than you have done. Oh, is it? Yes, it is. You open your mouth, and I'll send you to jail. You can't do it. Oh, yes, I can. There have been plenty of people who have gone to your place and bought worthless stock. There have been a lot of others that have bought stock from you and been told the stock went down. That what they bought on margin was wiped out. I happen to know, Abbott, that you never bought the stock at all. You just pocketed the door. Well, don't get any foolish ideas about trying to make trouble for me. You can't double-cross me and get away with it. Who's there? How do I know? Where is Greer? You can ask him. I didn't try to double-cross you, Abbott. Greer, where are you? Answer the door. I'll go myself. We'll continue this discussion a little later, Roger. I'm not through by any means. Where's the ass? Stand aside. Let's go through the place. Police, what's the meaning of this? What do you want here? Where's the Green Hornet? The Green Hornet? I know nothing about the Green Hornet. He's hiding out here someplace. I just got the phone call a little while ago and we come right over. It's too bad he didn't do something about you two rats before he skipped out. He's probably gone by this time. Whoever calls you is mistaken. There was no phone call from here and the Green Hornet has not been here. And we don't want you cops around. Now clear out. What are you doing here, Abbott? Uh, I am reading his palm. You think fast on your feet, don't you, Roger? Let's have a look behind there. One moment, officer. Maybe you've heard that a warrant is required before you can search a man's home. You know all the laws, don't you? Sufficient of them. That's why I came here tonight. Someone in there. Come on. That's my voice. Let's go see. Something like that over on me. Maybe you thought my office wasn't swank enough. You two talk. It's a frame up. Shut up. No, no. I was Greer all primed to give that stuff out. Then when you saw me, you didn't get a chance to change the instructions. It isn't true. Oh, you let me out of here. Turn that thing off. Quiet, Roger. Looks like we got the goods on you at last. Let me go. Let me get out of here. No, you don't. Not so fast. That record will hold in court. Hang on to these two. We're taking you both in and that record as well. No, no. It's a frame up, I tell you. You can't do it. Let me go. This intrusion. You have no warrant. We're taking you guys in without a warrant. Take that record along. Who did it? Who did it? Hey, look over there. Those two on the floor. Holy mackerel. What's happened to them? It's Greer. Your helpers. I knew there was something wrong. I told you, Abbott. I told you that Greer wasn't the one who appeared. They're alive, all right. Just knocked out. Yeah. We better call the boys and have the wagon sent over. This thing's bigger than we thought. Yeah, take that record so we don't lose that. I've got it. And hey, holy cats, look at this. I get it now. We were sent over here to get the Green Hornet. Okay. Look what's on the record. The mark of the Green Hornet. There he goes. He's outside. He sneaked out this window. Boys, I'd say offhand the Hornet framed this whole thing. I told you we were framed. It won't hold in court. Oh, yes. This will hold in court, Raja. And for once in his life, the Green Hornet's done a good turn for the police department.
is a copyrighted feature of the Green Hornet Incorporated. Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to go back to 1941 for Fibber McGee and Molly, where we're going to hear about Fibber's bottle collection. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> Makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with I See the Moon at Noon. Why should I wax my floors? What does the wax really do for them? Well, that's a good fundamental question, and I can answer it very clearly. Have you ever rubbed an apple to make it shine? Do you realize that what made it shine was a thin coat of wax with which nature protects fruit and flowers? It's true. And the use of genuine wax on floors is also for protection. When you put Johnson's wax on your floors, you're protecting them against scratches, stains, and wear of all kinds. The wax coat is a glowing shield of protection. And just as rubbing the apple made it more beautiful, polishing your floors with genuine Johnson's wax adds greatly to their beauty. And for that matter, to the beauty of your entire home. And there's a third reason for Johnson waxing your floors. It saves you work all year. Does away with tiresome floor scrubbing. And besides floors, there are 100 extra uses for Johnson's wax in your home. May I urge you to buy some tomorrow. For the last few years, a certain citizen of Wistful Vista has been quietly collecting bottles. If you can collect bottles quietly. 
And here, loading his loot into the car to take it downtown and sell it, we find that collector of infernal residue and his patient spouse, Fibber McGee and Molly. Thank goodness that's about all. Ain't got room for many more in that back seat. Hand me that last carton, will you, Molly? Thanks. You're welcome, dearie. Now you can do something for me. Sure, what? Look, Mm -hmm. since 1938, you've carefully saved every bottle that came into the house. And I never asked you why. I was never one to pry into your private life. If you wanted to collect bottles or buttons or or butterflies or, or baboons, it was all right with me. But now I'd like to know what your idea was, and if you don't tell me, I think I'm going to scream! (laughs) Gee, I'm sorry, Molly. I thought all the time you knew I'd been saving those bottles for the refund. The refund? Sure. Instead of trotting down to the grocery every day with two ginger ale or root beer bottles and coming home with a dime, I thought I'd save them for a couple of years and really collect some dough. Catch on to it? Well, heavenly days. And how much do you expect to get for the lot, me bold financier? Well, averaging two cents per bottle, and I got exactly 537 bottles, I figure I'll get about 11 bucks. And that ain't hay. (laughs) And to think how many glass blowers have been wasting their breath when they might have been learning the piccolo. (laughs) $11 for three years' work. What do you mean, three years' work? It ain't been work. What? It's been fun. What you mean? It's been my hobby. It's... It's kept me off the streets. <laughs> well, uh, where are you taking them? Grocery store. You want to go along? I wouldn't miss it for a 40-acre farm with Clark Gable as hired man. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. I'm in. Well, where'll I sit? You got both seats full of bottles. Well, I'll sit up in front there. You can make a kind of a little nest among the root beer and ginger ale bottles. Fine. <laughs> they were soft drinks, so I ought to be quite comfortable. <laughs> now, don't, don't, don't bust any of them. I, I got a lot of time and money in this stuff. You got a lot of water in them, too. Something's dripping down my neck. That's <laughs> uh, just the rinse water. Somebody ain't quite dry yet. Some of them ain't. Well, here we go. Hey there, Johnny! Hello, daughter! Oh, hello there, Mr. Oldtimer. If you're going downtown, would you mind if I rode as far as... <whistles> hey, what you doing, Johnny? Bootlegging? <laughs> no, I ain't bootlegging. I'm taking these bottles back for a refund. That so? Yep. From the looks of the bottles, you must have threw quite a party, kid. <laughs> Why didn't you invite me? I'm great at parties. Do card tricks, impersonations, and I can take my vest off without removing my coat. Well, that's very interesting, Mr. Oldtimer, but we didn't give a party. I've been saving these bottles for three years, Oldtimer. What for, Johnny? Well, it's just a hobby with you, Mr. Oldtimer. Haven't you got a hobby? I got two hobbies, daughter. I'm a string saver, and I never step on cracks in the sidewalk. <laughs> well, every man to his taste, Oldtimer. I collect bottles, and you collect strings. And I've got a blue serge coat that collects lint. <laughs> Snooky, but that ain't the way I heard it. <laughs> the way I heard it, one feller says to tell the feller, hey, he says, did you hear this Fibber McGee and Molly on the Lux Radio Theater last night? Well, what'd the other fella say? Nothing, Johnny. He just sneered. <laughs> 
guess you ain't got room enough for me to ride with you, Johnny. I'll walk down to the corner and wait for a streetcar. Why, the streetcars don't go past that corner, Mr. Oldtimer. That's why I like to wait there, daughter. It's quiet. <laughs> so long, <laughs> What's the matter with this thing? It started off all right this morning. Dad wrapped the desk. Hi, mister. Oh, hello there, little girl. Now, don't bother me now on account of... Hey, I'm... where'd you get all the bottles, mister? Criminy, uh... is that ever a snag of them, though? Hey, 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 watch your language there, sis. I got my wife with me. <laughs> hey, what you gonna do with all the bottles? I'm gonna hmm? take them back to the store for a rebate. Hmm? I says I'm returning them for a rebate. Rebate. Don't you know what a rebate is? Sure I do, I bet you. Uh-huh. It's when you put another worm on the hook. <laughs> but gee, mister, you can't catch enough fish to fill all those bottles. That rabbit sis, I ain't going fishing. Don't you like to fish? Sure I like to fish. So but... do I, mister. Can I go with you? Uh, where? Fishing. I... Look, sis, get this through that little sunbonnet full of sawdust, will you? I ain't going fishing. I know it. Well... Why? Because in the first place, I ain't got time, and in the second place, the season ain't open, and in the third place, I don't want to. And in the fourth, fifth, and sixth places, I got to take these bottles back. What for? For a rebate. Well, I guess this is where I came in, and my mama doesn't like to have me stay through two shows. So long, mister. Come on, Molly. Here's the grocery store. All right, dearie. And believe me, it'll be a relief to get up off of these things. 
Oh, so come why? Well, there were three mustard bottles leering at me like I was a piece of corned beef. Now, let's see. I'll take a few samples in first. Now, let me see. One ginger ale, one ketchup, one grape juice, one root beer, one horseradish. That ought to give them an idea. Yeah, it'd give me one if I was them, but I hope they don't think of it. <laughs> well, good luck to you, dearie. Thanks. I'll be back in just a minute, and you can help me carry in the rest of the... Whoa! <coughs> Dad, Brad, bud, why don't you look where... Oh, hi, Nick. Well, for scream sakes, Fisher, excuse me for being such a big clumsy. I guess my feet are all thumbed. Oh, don't... <laughs> don't worry about the bottles you broke, Mr. DePopolis. They were just a handful of empty. Oh, is that so? I'd have got at least 11 cents refund on them bottles. You gonna pay me for them, Nick? Smartly. How much? Well, I think he said 11 cents, Mr. DePopolis. Oh, sure. Well, here's two bits apiece, Peter. Oh, I'm sorry, Nick. I can't make change. Well, take the quarter, McGee, and I'll give Mr. DePopolis three more bottles. Here, Mr. DePopolis, here's your change. Oh, thank you. Hey. <laughs> this is being a lot of fun, Cupid. Here's two dollars. Give me some more. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Cut that out. You think I want to get pinched for all this broken glass all over the sidewalk? Lay off, DePopolis. Huffley duckly, Fizzer. And look, Mrs. DePopolis is telling me to ask you if you are caring to stop at our house some nights this week for a game of compact bridge, don't do it because she hates bridge. Salam, Fizzer. Salam, Cupid. <laughs> now, McGee, don't step in any of that broken glass. I already did. Oh, dear. Let me see it. Maybe yeah. I can... That's all right. I stepped in some iodine, too. That's funny, that got a big laugh last week Oh, well Well, come on, Molly, hold the door open for me All right Hi, Mr. Sale, can you... I'll be with you in just a minute, Mr. McGee I'm waiting on a customer yeah. uh, Was there anything else, Mr. Wilcox? Well, uh, let me think uh, Oh, yes, I want a small box of curry powder And uh, send all this stuff right over to my apartment, will you please? Oh, you who, Mr. Wilcox? Hi, Harlow What was that stuff you just asked for? Well, hello, folks I just asked for a small box of curry powder. Curry powder? Shucks, you never told us you had a horse, Harlow. <laughs> Why, I... I haven't. This is the powder I put in the sauce when I make curry. You? You mean you cook, Mr. Wilcox? Well, sure. Doesn't fibber? He does not. And I wouldn't think of letting him mess up my kitchen, either. Why, Molly, I'm ashamed of you. What? Why, there's no excuse for husbands not messing around in the kitchen these days if they want to. What if they do mess up the floor? Excuse us, folks, but this is the part of the thing that pays for the stuff. <laughs> what you mean, Harlow? Well, I mean about... <laughs> I mean about the linoleum being properly protected with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. The no-rubbing, no-buffing polish that shines as it dries. And what well-kept kitchen floor isn't in these modern times? Why, what if the old man does spill a gob of gravy or a splatter of hen fruit on the floor? Oh, Who cares? It can be wiped up in a jiffy with a damp cloth. Say, that'd be a great premium to give away with every can of Johnson's self-polishing glow coat, wouldn't it? Wouldn't what? A jiffy. A pearl-handled jiffy to wipe the spots off the flooring. <laughs> that be swell? Oh, don't be silly. Oh, don't you be silly. Excuse me, Mr. McGee, you're next. Oh, thanks, Mr. Sale. Well, we'll see you later, Wilcox. And keep your curry up, Mr. Wilcox. <laughs> Yeah, stop in at our house sometimes. I'll fry you a nice batch of stupefied Crandall whims. <laughs> With raisins. You, you like them? I love them. If they're fried in deep, fat. 
Now then, uh, what was it for you, Mr. McGee? I, I want a refund on these bottles. Now, let me see. There's a penny coming on the root beer. Nickel on the ginger ale. What's this? Oh, that's a horseradish bottle. So it's all washed and sterilized. Sorry, no refund on those. Well, uh, how about the grape juice? We don't carry that brand anymore. Uh, the mustard? Nope. Just on the root beer and ginger ale. Here's ten cents. Oh, hey, wait. I got a car full of them outside, but Just wait till I run... Wait a minute, Mr. McGee. Huh? How many root beer and ginger ale bottles have you? Oh, I'd say about 170, which would come to about 575, yeah. but you... Oh, no, you don't. Huh? You haven't bought a dozen bottles of that stuff from me in five years. Take them back where you got them. This is a grocery, not a junkyard. Now, you look here, Mr. Sale. If that's the way you're going to act, you're liable to lose our account. Mrs. McGee, I've been trying to lose your account ever since you opened it. <laughs> it's more butter than it's worth. Oh, yeah? Well, it'll be all right with us, too, Sally. Sure, that last spinach you sent us had so much sand in it, I had to eat it with a niblick. <laughs> but, Mr. Sale, why has our account been so much trouble? I'll show you. Look, here's your last order slip. Our delivery truck went clear across town to bring you one egg, two apples, four macaroons, and a box of toothpicks. Say, who ordered those toothpicks? <laughs> I did, Molly. What for? Well, I was working on my ship model, and I ran out of lumber. <laughs> well, okay, bud, if that's the way you feel about it, give me my dime for these two bottles. Now look what you've done. You've got broken glass all over my rhubarb. Oh, my. Get out of here, and don't come back. Oh, but look, i got a car full of bottles that I've been saving. I don't care if you've got a prairie schooner full of platinum. I don't want it. Go away! <laughs> <laughs> Home? No. Where? Drugstore. Oh. And furthermore, Mr. Kramer, if I'd ever suspected you wasn't going to make good on them bottles, I'd have never bought all my postage stamps in your drugstore. What'd he say? Shook his head. What'd you do? I shook my fist. What'd he do? Shook a shotgun. What'd you do? Shook. <laughs> hey, sis, I got these bottles here a while back, and I'd like to get a refund. Sorry, you... sir, that was when we run to the NRA. No refunds now. Oh, but I want my dime. You can't have it. You've washed off the little blue eagle. <laughs> Hey, bud, I got a few bottles Sorry, I've taken the place Look, mister I've been, I've been everywhere in town. Do you refund money on... I'm not... Beat it! Well? Yeah, I guess I'm a chump, Molly. It's no use. Chucks, I thought I had a swell idea collecting these bottles, but, well, I guess I... I flopped. Oh, now, now, don't take it to heart, dearie. Everybody sticks their neck out now and then. Yeah. That's why they have portholes on boats. <laughs> yeah, but shut. Oh, oh, dear, 
Ah, you are, Miss McGee. I've been looking all over Wistful Vista for you. Hi, Abby. Hello, Abigail. What was it you wanted? Well, someone told me that Mr. McGee had several hundred old bottles he wanted to sell, and I was so afraid he'd dispose of them before I found him. Well, there's no use in crying. What? What'd you say, Abby? She sounds like an angel in disguise, McGee. And one of the cleverest disguises I ever saw. <laughs> you mean you want to buy these bottles, Huppy? Indeed I do, Miss McGee. How many have you? Why, why about 500, but... Oh, what? splendid, splendid. Oh, what a lucky girl I am, really. 500 perfectly good bottles. Oh, oh uh, but I warn you, Miss McGee. I drive a hard bargain. Well... I'm offering you $50 for the entire lot. Heavenly days, $50. Well, 60 then. Oh, now, wait a minute, Uppy. That's ridiculous. Why, when I tell you how much I expected to get for these bottles, you... Well, $75, and that is my final offer. <laughs> Sold to the lady in the prematurely gray fur coat. <laughs> Say, I don't quite... This is so sudden, I... Uh, look, uh, what do you want these bottles for, Uppy? Uh, <laughs> don't you wish you knew, you clever boy? <laughs> hey, you know the old saying, ask me no questions and I'll tell you no anyway. <laughs> now, here, Miss McGee, here's the $75. Oh, thanks. And you may dump those bottles in my backyard any time today. Oh. Pinch me, McGee. Ouch! Thank you. <laughs> and thank you, Abigail. Oh, no, thank you. And now, to celebrate the deal, I insist on taking you to dinner at the 400 Club. What? Oh, come now. I shan't take no for an answer. Well, there's no danger of you getting it for an answer, Mrs. Uppington. <laughs> I should say not. I suddenly got an appetite that would make a steam shovel lower its bucket in shame. Climb <laughs> in, Uppy. Let's go. Oh, oh, but where shall I sit, Mr. McGee? Here, I'll make room for you, Abigail. Oh, 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 what fun, really. <laughs> Ain't it, though? <laughs> well, here we go. And don't let the horseradish get smart with you, Abigail. <laughs> the King's Men singing The Covered Wagon Rolled Right Along. Oh, the covered wagon rolled right along. While the pioneers gave out a happy song, me and Pappy did the driving, Mammy cooked and kept us driving, and the covered wagon rolled right along. We left King Dougie on the 10th of May. Pappy said, I'll get our victuals every day. Every day? Mammy, you just grease the skillet. If we need some food, I'll kill it. And the covered wagon rolled right Chief into a game. Ooh. 
Pappy wound up with four deuces and a squall with six papooses and the covered wagon rolled right along. Pappy sold a mule and then went on a spree. And he said, at last I got my liberty. <laughs> Mammy said, cut out your bragging. And she hitched him to the wagon. And the prairie schooner rolled right along. Now at last old California came in view. And we realized the troubles we've been through. Me and Ma are lucky creatures. Pappy's making western features. And the covered wagon rolls and rolls right along. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, what a day. <laughs> you know, Molly, for a while there today, I almost begun to have doubts if I could sell them bottles. <laughs> hey, what on earth do you suppose Mrs. Uppington wants them for? I don't know, but I, you know, I kind of regret the leaving them go at 75 bucks. I wish I'd asked 100. Well, you know, it cost her almost that anyway. I saw the bill she signed for dinner at the 400 Club. Yeah? You know how much? No. Oh. $22. $22? Oh, that couldn't be just for that one meal for the three of us. She must be bored in there by the week. <laughs> no, sir. It was nearly $7 a piece. And say, that was a mighty nice din- dinner, too, wasn't it? I thought you said it wasn't so hot. Well, that was before I knew it cost seven bucks. <laughs> and I still say, though, that that was the worst cider I ever drunk. You do? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't cider. That was champagne. It was? I thought the waiter said his mother made it. No, he did not. He said it was mom. <laughs> Who's that? Search me. Better get that $75 out of sight. Come in. Well, hello there, folks. How's every little thing? Why, just wonderful, Mr. Gildersleeve. Ah, better than they've been for a long time, Gildy, old man. Uh, really? Why, certainly. Well, well, that, that's fine, McGee. I, uh, I just stopped in, McGee, to ask you if you could, uh, get into one of my suits. Why, we could both get into one of your suits. <laughs> Why should we? Why, sure, he's got clothes of his own. Yes, yes, I know, but I thought that, well, I, uh, the, how you fix the groceries, McGee? Groceries? Hey, what is this? Wait a minute. First you offer me your old clothes, then you offer us food. That ratted Gildersleeve, if you think for one no, minute... No, no, no. Take it easy, little chum. Take it easy. <laughs> it's no disgrace to be poor. Oh, I'll say it isn't. What are you driving at anyway, you big baboon? <laughs> <laughs> now, now, look here, little pal. Why don't you let me make you a small loan? Sort of ties you over until... That uh, ratted Gildersleeve, you cut that out. I don't want any money, and I don't want any clothes, and I don't want any groceries. Well, shucks, anybody think we didn't know where the next meal was coming from? Well, do you? <laughs> What's that? Now, Mrs. McGee, maybe I can talk sensibly with you. I know all about it. Mrs. Uppington told me. She told you what, Gildersleeve? About how she got word that you had your car full of junk and trying to sell it, McGee. <laughs> Imagine Pipper McGee, my pal, my neighbor, reduced to selling old bottles. Why didn't you let somebody know, McGee? We'd all been glad to help you. 
Well, of all the... Well, I'll be... It's all right, chum. We won't say a word about this outside. But when Mrs. Uppington told me she felt so sorry for you that she took you in and bought you a warm meal. <laughs> then paid to $75 for a useless ton of old bottles. Well, that got me, McGee. Oh, so that's why she... Oh! That does it. That absolutely does it. Molly, never let me see another bottle in this house as long as I live. There's only one bottle left in the house, dearie. Well, where is it? Upstairs. Well, go get it and throw it away. Impossible. Why? Uncle Dennis won't let go of it. You know, Molly, what I'm going to do? What? I'm going to buy Gildersleeve a big, expensive present just because he tried to be so nice to us. Yeah? Mrs. Uppington was nice, too, McGee. Yeah? So she didn't have to run and tell Mr. Gildersleeve about it. No, but I certainly give her a lot of credit. You're going to pay the money right back, aren't you? No. For that, she's got to give me a lot of credit. Good night. <laughs> Good night, all. <laughs> This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be along next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.